Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're keeping our promise. Uh, we said on our instant reaction show, we would come back and give uh, episode nine the full nerds treatment. And so here we are keeping our promise. And fellas, it's the end. The year of Star Wars is over. How are you feeling? Oh, I am honestly relieved that we've got a resolution to the story. I'm relieved that our schedule gets to open up a little bit more for a variety of movies. Um, No matter how much I love the Star Wars, no matter how much we love Star Wars, this uh, scheduling was a challenge because there was so much other great nerddom coming out this year. We really have missed a lot of Marvel, a lot of other things focused on uh, the the Skywalker saga, but with it being the end of the Skywalker saga as Disney is toting to us, I'm kind of kind of glad to bring it out and and even that out. So we've got some exciting things coming up in the new year. We've been working on the uh, tentative schedule there, so and I know the guys are really super excited about that. Sam, how is you? I know you come up in with us kind of the midway through this thing so how are you feeling yeah, about this resolution i, I was i was hit, I was hit and miss right i did attack of the clones and then i did a new hope right and then i think i was on board from there so you've done more than you've missed I, i'm not sure yes. exactly yeah where uh, you were at. so i believe i did attack of the clones like i said and then i didn't do revenge of the sith i did and i started full-time by the time we got to the OT. So, okay. so I, I've yeah, been here for most of sure you were with us through most of the OT. Yeah, because you were with us uh, on the episode with uh, uh, for Empire where we had uh, Jim and Heather on. Yes. Yeah, that was fun. So, you know, as far as this, as the movie, as the trilogy goes, you know, this is our, you know, this is our denouement. This is our, our resolution. So I was really excited for us to get here you know, this feels like, you know, our resolution also. You know, we've been putting a lot of time into this saga and everything from Clone Wars, you know, as Jamie will remember trying to go through all the Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've done uh, a lot of work. Yeah. And so to, to get to this point, I think it's it's one that we should be proud of, gentlemen. We know we've worked hard to get here. And, and now that we're here, I'm interested to get a little deeper into discussion on this. Well, I mean, see, I, I've, I've not been with Star Wars as long as you guys have. I've been I was kind of a latecomer to the wars. But um, but, you know, there's been more good than bad this year. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's some uh, less quality. We talk about one you know quality pop culture here. There's not it's not all high quality, as Sammy said once. <laughs> Um, but it's been more than more good than bad, and I, I think that it, as a as a big picture thing, it's it's a worthwhile saga um, world, whatever you want to call it. It's a worthwhile thing to spend your time in. I um, mean, you could do a lot. You could do a lot worse. And I feel like there's enough um, like real stuff to chew on mentally and emotionally that it's it's Star Wars is, is good ground to be on. And so I'm, I'm it was a lot of work. I think more for me than you guys. <laughs> Yeah, I think we've already seen everything and knew everything, but um, I think it was a worthwhile adventure we went on. So. 
But yeah. I am excited about the new year, getting to just bounce around randomly for a while. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, I know, and I believe the schedule shows uh, the diversity there that we uh, get to play in coming up. So really super excited about that. We even let Sammy pick some stuff. Yay! And, and I don't yeah, think we, I disappointed him as much this time. I don't know about uh, – I don't know. We may have another Flash Gordon-ish episode uh, kind of in that mm. quality range, but uh, <laughs> so we'll just blame those on Sammy. Um, so, guys, speaking of, uh, of Flash Gordon as high-quality stuff, where, where would we throw some grades around? Um, I here? wasn't speaking of Flash Gordon as high-quality. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but I'll, tell, I'll, I'll go first um, on grades. Um, I'm sitting at a B+. Um, I'm, I've, I've went down a little bit. Um, the uh, I had I, I think the, I was uh, confused in the fails because the first time we saw it, we saw it all together. And I – I was quiet for a long time. I was still processing stuff. And um, I wasn't quite sure what to say at the instant reaction episode. And I'm still processing stuff, but I've settled on more. And I think it's a good movie. I think it's got a lot of exciting action scenes. Um, It lands the plane enough. Um, It wraps up most of what needed wrapping up. Um, But some of the flaws and the stuff that was sort of nagging at me, after the first viewing bothered me more <laughs> in the second viewing. Oh, yeah. And the more I think about it, the more I feel like I want to talk to Kathleen Kennedy and JJ Abrams. I mean, there's some conversations. <laughs> that have been had. Um, but it's still a good movie and it, and it does land the plane. And so I'm, I'm, I'm content with what we've got. We'll get to the pain when we get there. Okay. <laughs> Sam, why don't you go next? Because I've got a bit to say, uh, especially regarding my uh, statement on our instant reaction show. So okay. Well, I'm still holding it an A. I am. I'm, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd hoped for an A when we went in. When we came out for the instant reaction, I held that A. After a second viewing, I really just loved this movie. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying that, that there's not some flaws and some things that I've got on my hands list, but I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I felt like they added to the mythos without detracting from characters or story. I'm looking at you, Ryan Johnson. And, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things that, that I just have to keep that. Uh, I have to keep that a, I still feel really confident with that grade. And I know my statement, uh, one of my first statements during our instant reaction show, you know, Jamie, as how excited was I, not was very much excited because of all of the things I've been seeing, all the things I've been hearing. You're bringing back the emperor. How are you going to do this? You're trying to cram all this stuff in. And a lot of questions were raised in The Force Awakens. A lot more questions were raised in The Last Jedi. And I was really afraid how J.J. would answer those. And I was really going, why are we bringing the back? Why are we going back to the real? So I don't know. You know, I, I was kind of worried about that. But now as far as my statement goes there, I'm, I'm sticking with MIA with this. I think it was as good a movie as, as could have been made tying up all these plot points. Uh, they brought back the Emperor in such a neat way that it was really interesting to see his play and his long game there. So 
I'm, I'm sticking with my, and I'll get uh, into that with the, the, the pans and fans there. Alright. Uh, I'm in the minority here. <laughs> Be gentle, guys. <laughs> Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. All right, uh, Sammy, why don't you go first? You seem like you're the probably the most positive out of all of us. So what, what's your first fan? Okay. You know, I think my first fan with this goes to the story and specifically the pace of this story. Uh, to me, this felt like Star Wars again. Uh, that action pack, that adventure story that I really think that George had in mind when he first started this in the first place. You know, there are points in this movie that there are great cliffhangers. If you wanted to turn this into an old 40s serial, you could do it because it has those cliffhangers. So to me, the story itself, the pace of this story, it fits everything that I think George, you know, had in mind. Uh, it may be not be the story he had specifically in mind, but <laughs> right. definitely the type of movie I think he would have made. Um, <clears throat> of, like I said, the pacing, the story itself. Um, and like I said, it reminds me of those old movie serials. Mm-hmm. So there's my first, uh, my first uh, fan there, fellas. <laughs> Dwayne, what you got? Yeah. Um, I, um, Agree with Sammy. It really, uh, you know, stayed true to the movie serial uh, format there, the formula, even with the opening crawl, the dead speak, you know, and Mm -hmm. it goes into this whole situation. Uh, My biggest uh, and my first fan is going to be the design of the whole, I mean, just really the whole movie, but specifically when you're dealing with the emperor. And he's on this planet, and you're seeing this close-up of his face, and the lightning is going. You know, they've got the strobes, and each strobe lights his face at a different angle, and you're seeing all – it's almost like a different face each time. It's so creepy. You see these dead eyes, and the uh, introduction of him – uh, you know, dealing with Kylo there, and when you find out Kylo is just on this – Mad adventure. So that plane has something out for me, whatever it is. I feel like there's an X-Wing going to come and, uh, and just zap me there. It's saying, a warm night. So everybody's out on their motorcycles. There you go. But anyway, you know, just that whole situation of the introduction of the Emperor, Kylo's mission to go get him. I mean, that was so just creepy and intense and out there. And, and that set design, when you're dealing with the Emperor, it just blew me out of the water. Yeah, what was he hanging from, though? I still have questions about a few things. <laughs> that was a weird little gimbal, and uh, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he was necessarily a clone. It almost seemed like he was regrowing parts of himself because, you know, you saw his fingers, and they were kind of not completely formed. And you see him hanging from his apparatus, almost like he's hanging by his head. You know, it, yeah, it, it, it looks strange. Really strange. But I've got no strings to hold me down. <laughs> See, one thing that we didn't quite um, 
realize, I guess, you know, watching Return of the Jedi, you know, massive chunks of the Death Star made it to Planet Fall. So it seems almost like somebody went and got some remains of his out of there and was just using dark side energy to grow, to regrow him instead of the cloning situation. You know, he's just like almost pure dark side hatred because even his face is different from the emperor we see in episode six. You know, he doesn't have all the scars and the big, huge brow and the waxy. Well, they don't really tell us, and I think that the um, the big jar of snowkeds kind of lots, lots of strange things happen in Sith land. So, <laughs> could be well, a lot of well, different things. Well, you know that comes back. You know, uh, JK was able to tie so much together. There's so many little eggs, Easter eggs through here, and so many little ties. You know, the Sith you know, are a great many uh, abilities, some of which people consider unnatural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you stole that's on my list of one of my fans. You stole one of my the Emperor in Sith Land. I just uh everything <laughs> there, the the weird physics, um so just the image of all those snow kids in that floating in that jar, man. I just that stuck with me. Yeah, uh, it's like yeah. they were flown in but not quite finished up, but they just put them together anyway, you know. Yeah. So that's like that's like Snoke 1.0 and 2.0 were still in the jar, and we, we got Snoke 3.0. <laughs> still, still wasn't much improved. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, my, my first fan, are, I mean, it's the big one, and it's the one that, that I think that keeps this, even as some of the flaws that I guess only I see, uh, but that really bother me, that, that make it okay, because they land the Ray and Kylo thing. The whole, you know, storyline, the drama with Ray and Kylo is handled beautifully. Um, and it's the, I think it's the only, well, that's a, that's a pan too, but like, that's the only relationship that actually goes through Force Awakens, through The Last Jedi, into this movie unaltered. Because I feel like um, J.J. Didn't, didn't approve of a lot of what Ryan Johnson did with the character dynamics, except for Ray and Kylo. And that, that carried through. And it's the only really through line that works through the whole new trilogy. And it should develop the, further develop the conflict uh, between the two. There's this tension. They clearly have feelings for each other. Um, but the conflict deepens. It gets more dramatic. Um, I, I just I love the whole dynamic between the two. And the way it ends, um, I just feel like J.J. got it right. And uh, it, it ended well for Kylo. It ended well for Ray. And the place that they ended at together, I feel like, was yeah. the right place. They, yeah. he, got, he got that right. Entirely. That's one of my fans also is their relationship and resolution, um, the emotion of it throughout, uh, you know, the whole saga, really, when, when they're introduced, you know, and, and even when the officer tells Kylo, you know, they escaped with the girl, what girl, you know, and it's just she's just constantly a thorn in his side until she is almost his salvation, you know, at yeah. the end. And uh that uh, intensity they they play super well off of each other they both sell their emotions they both sell that so well yeah but from, from, from the from the point that um i guess ben at this point turns mm -hmm. and throws his lightsaber into the ocean from that point on it's just I mean, emotional perfection, storyline perfection. Yeah. And um, when he shows up to fight against the Knights of Ren, 
Um, he comes to rescue her. He's made the full, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a wrestling fan. I heard it called a face turn. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, he'll, he'll the, face, the, the face turn. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but when it, when he does the turn and it's the full on, he's, he's on the right side and still thinks he get off. He gets off a smidge too easy. You know, all the, all the horrific stuff we've seen him do. Um, but it's emotionally powerful and it's satisfying the way it all ties up. And, and he does get the Jedi dissolve. Yeah. Yep. Good questions about that too. <laughs> maybe, maybe if you don't, maybe if you murder your own dad and the opening scene of the movie is you committing genocide, maybe you don't get to be a force ghost. Right. Well, I think we should, uh, maybe we should uh, let Sam uh, get a word in here for a moment. So Sam, what's, what's another fate you've got? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, honestly, I'm going to play right off of that for my second fan. Um, I think JJ and the writers, you know, I said they they got deeper into the story and they added elements that we didn't know could be there. And I think that's what a good writer does, especially when you've got this story that's been around for, as I've said, over 40 years. Um, so this with this movie alone, this isn't just the story of the Skywalkers. This is the story of the Palpatines also. They are the Capulets and the Montagues of the Star Wars universe. Okay? <laughs> okay? So it's not just about the Skywalkers. It's, it's this interaction between these families starting at episode one all the way to episode nine we see how these two families have interacted, mm-hmm. you know, from the Senate to the emperor to now, you know, the, the, the next generation. So, you know, essentially we could say Ray and Kylo are analogs for Romeo and Juliet. Yep. Yeah, that's true. I went so, there. So I guess it would be uh, Finn to say a curse on both your houses. That's it. <laughs> You know, and I think what we really see is we continue to see Palpatine as this really Machiavellian character, you know, who has been controlling everything from moment one. So that's a big fan of mine. So I think the writers definitely played well in this this land, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, um, that is another thing that I was a fan of. This will be one of my other fans here is you actually get to see the long game that, that Palpatine was playing. Uh, you see that resolution. Uh, if you were following any of the books, and it seems like that Disney, uh, now that they're a few years into this thing, are starting to pick and choose things from the books, like the Darth Bane, Darth Plagueis, some of the more well-written, well-received things. And even, you know, with the Clone Wars, we're seeing some things in there come up, even in here and with the Mandalorian and things. Um, But, you know, in these books, Palpatine has been playing this game since before he was Darth Sidious. He'd been playing this long game of establishing, you know, these life forms in the Force, toying with life, uh, toying with power in the Senate, putting things into place. And, um, you know, we see just how deep that manipulation goes. And, you know, even though we had a different writer, because we had Kasdan for the first one, Ryan Johnson for the second one, and then Abrams and um, Torino, I think, Torino, Torino, uh, as writing this one, 
uh, it still stayed really consistent, I thought. Um, you know, some of the characterization and languages were kind of askew, but uh, uh, as an overall view, it really stayed consistent. Yeah. You're not going to like my pans. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm about to make myself odious to the other host. All right, so my, um, my, my next uh, fan is just the action overall. Um, I think JJ's pretty good at doing action. Um, I thought this was a very exciting movie. Um, I thought all the lightsaber fights um, were great. I think on a second watch, my favorite may have been Ray versus Ray. Um, just, just the, the, how, how visually interesting Dark Ray was um, mm-hmm. was 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 cool. Um, I thought the sand car fight was great. Like uh, the, from the second, those um, flying troopers—I they need a cool name. But when they get launched off the back <laughs> of those sand cycle things, I mean that was awesome. I mean, yeah, stro- I mean, they're slingshot off there. I think they call yeah. them yeah. jet troopers. Yeah. Jet troopers. Jet yeah. troopers. Any, anyone yeah. in the five hundred first can tell you that that that's not a <laughs> they've been around for a while. Okay, well, it's new to me. But uh, so it was exciting. Um, although we've, I've seen stormtroopers shoot guns. Putting them in the air on rockets is probably not the best idea. <laughs> <laughs> they, the, they fly uh, now. Yeah. They fly now. They fly now. <laughs> uh, the 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 fight between Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren was awesome. Okay. Uh, the weird force time lightsaber fight between you know Kylo and Rey was great. Um, I just, uh, the, all the, I mean, all the spaceships, I'm sure Dwayne was happy. There were enough, there were so many spaceships. So, many spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if it didn't quite make sense, um, don't know how uh, Palpatine built that many Star Destroyers out in the middle of nowhere without enough helpers or raw materials, but whatever. Well, you've seen all the, well, I mean, how many acolytes did he have in that stadium there? You know? uh, there were thousands of Star Destroyers. It took him like 30 years to build yeah. one Death Star. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But but it, regardless of the logic of some of it, it was all amazing to look at. Yeah. And yeah. And so that just the action stuff, like not just the lightsabers. We always love lightsaber fights, but the the ships on the ground, the ships in the air, it was all awesome to look at. I mean, you, you can't really look away from the action in this movie. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, I guess that'll be a, another of my fans is the pacing. It was relentless from beginning to end. It started and just pounded you over the head with go, go, go. And you didn't have a lot of time to think about the things that maybe had a hole in it here or there, you know, that maybe a, <laughs> and you know, as, as, uh, and as my co-hosts were saying, you know, on subsequent watches, I think, you know, we'll see more holes and, and, you know, I think this thing is going to wear a little bit, but, you know, I think we have enough resolution here. Um, you know, but the pacing is is relentless. The set design is phenomenal, and you know, I, I'm I'm a fan that a lot of the characters, you know, maintained even uh, you know even Rose, who I know got a lot of grief for not really you know needing to have been there to do a lot. You know, she didn't get a lot to do this time, but she was still there. You know, we still. We still got to see Kelly Marie doing doing something useful. She was trying to find a weakness to all those ships, you know. And even though we got you know quite a few new characters introduced, uh, you know, it wasn't over overwhelmed. But my biggest, biggest, biggest fan, and this will probably be one of my last, is the introduction of one Billy D. Williams showing back up masked again. 
uh, <laughs> in, the, in the sand crawler tread. You know, uh, he, he's much better at uh, hiding himself, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he did pull his mask down a whole lot this time. So I mean, <laughs> so uh, it was more so of a face mask. I guess they figured out they're like, okay, we got to get this guy completely covered. If he's going to just kind of get and show off, so they had to fully well, cover the face. I, I learned mic discipline. Billy had to learn mask discipline. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's true. That is so. Oh. That is so true. Right. Uh, Sammy, what else you got, fan wise? All right, so I've got one more f- big fan for this, um, and that is this movie really helped me to like Kylo Ren. You know, I've went went on record in both of these sequel trilogies of saying that Ren is not one of my favorite characters. I didn't really, not that I don't like Adam Driver. You know, I think he's a phenomenal actor, but I did not really like Kylo Ren that much. This movie, to me, made me appreciate Kylo. You know, I knew we had to have a redemption arc. And, you know, from the beginning, I already anticipated some type of, you know, redemption for Kylo. But I really didn't expect to feel the impact like I did. So for me, Adam Driver does a fantastic job bringing this character to life making me like him and appreciate kind of his plot a little bit more than maybe I did in the previous two. And to think though, that, you know, despite the name of this is rise of Skywalker, he, he needed a good arc because he is officially the last of the bloodline. So, you know, even though we have the rise of Skywalker, so to speak, this was also the end of not just this saga, but of the bloodline of Skywalkers themselves. So his resolution story was needed to be strong. It needed to be important. And and maybe as Jamie said, he got by with a li- got a little bit too easy, you know. <laughs> but but let's let's do keep in mind, you know, Anakin killed everybody, and he still got to be Force Ghost, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> He killed younglings. <laughs> so. Only a Flash Gordon fan wouldn't like Calorie until this movie, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's been my favorite character all the way through these. All the way through. I know he has. I know he has. And, and it's just, I don't know. He's just a little bit too much for me up to this point. Well, that was, um, you, you all stole a couple of mine. I, I'm out of fans. Anybody else got any more fans before we move on to pans? I think I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. All right, so I'm going to go first on pans because um, you all have said this word a whole bunch, and I could not disagree more. My first pan, and my biggest one, is the pacing of this movie. Uh, <laughs> This thing moves so fast that nothing sticks out. Yeah. I mean, overall, for me, that is my biggest complaint. Nothing, it, it, everything is moving so fast. This room has no time to breathe. Mm-hmm. Nothing feels as momentous as it should. Nothing feels built up the way it should. And it all just kind of blurs together to where it's not just the, the, the emotional power kind of gets sucked away a little bit. We pause for like a millisecond. To let, to let Kylo Ren die. But it's like, nope, push, we're pushing the fast forward button again. Let's get moving. 
And even Leia's death was kind of, you know, rushed through. Yeah. Everything's too much. Lando should have had more time. It's like, hey, it's Lando. Just wave at him as he go by. And it's just... And because it really, it really feels like that JJ hated Last Jedi so much that he filmed eight and nine. It's like I'll film four hours worth of, I'll film my eight and I'll film nine and I'll squeeze them into one movie. And, and it's just too much. And it's and that 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 is for me. That's the fundamental problem with this movie. It's too much crammed into one runtime. And there's just nothing gets to settle. Nothing breathes. And it all just blurs together. So, Jamie, would you say the pacing of this movie is akin to light speed skipping? That's probably that's a pan of mine. That just does not make sense. It doesn't it does. really further the story. It was just something to kind of be eye candy and take up a little bit too much time. I mean, now don't get me wrong. We got to see a lot of great environments and much like uh, Sam said, you know, now we know that Dune, <laughs> we see the sand <laughs> in, you know, lot of speed skipping and Planet of the Apes, as we see, you know, Cornelius fixing uh, <laughs> mask. With yeah, the, they're bringing all my favorite sci-fi stuff into this thing. That's right. <laughs> you know, um, so you should love this movie, Jamie. Plus, <laughs> <laughs> is still a good grade. I gave it a good grade, but we're in the pan section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was just one thing that that kind of took me out of it, uh, a bit. Was you know the, this that weird little section of light speed skipping? Like what? What? Did, you know what is this? And, you know, we find out, you know, Han Solo famously says, you know, flying through light speed ain't like Dustin Crop's boy. That's we right. can fly right through a star or bounce too close to the super, the supernova. And that would end your trip real quick. So, yeah. you know, this light speed skipping situation kind of was a bit out of universe. It was kind of a bit out of, uh, you know, Star Wars lore and just did not quite fit. And what, what made me – well, it makes me laugh. It's like J.J. throws shade at the holo maneuver in here. It's like, <laughs> dude, the holo maneuver makes more sense than light speed skipping. <laughs> you know, this is true. And, <laughs> thing, um, I was listening to a review uh, with the Rebel Force Radio. Uh, most recently I had Paul Bateman on from the U.K., and he is a, a big uh, – in you know – into the whole Star Wars lore. He used to work directly with Ralph, Ralph McQuarrie. And he said his view of The Last Jedi is you could cut out 90 minutes of that movie, split this movie into two, you know, with the good stuff from The Last Jedi and have the trilogy. You know, he says to him, it's still not a trilogy. <laughs> um, he refuses. He just refuses The Last Jedi. But, you know, uh, a little bit of the shade thrown back hmm. in, uh, with The Last Jedi was, you know, was kind of distracting in here. Yeah. Well, let's give let's give Sammy a turn. No, it's okay. <laughs> we will we will get back to that. <laughs> well, you know what? Despite the fact that, like I said, I had a lot of positives about this movie. You know, I think one of the things that stood out to me is sometimes a problem with any SF or fantasy franchises, and you have brought some of this to light. Is sometimes there are some questions that need to be answered that they kind of gloss over and this movie does that 
Now, part of this is because most of these franchises know that, oh, we can talk about that in a comic or a book or another movie or a video game or, or a Disney Plus television series, <laughs> you know. But there were things I think we really needed to know that we never got answered. And that's a big pan for me. I still want to know how Maz Kanata got that saber. Yeah. Hey, that was an important question to me that JJ set up in Force Awakens that we never got. Okay. Um, you know, how did the Emperor survive? Was it cloning? Was it, you know, they glossed over, as Dwayne said, with that, you know, pathways to many abilities, some consider unnatural. And they mirrored that from, from Revenge of the Sith, essentially. You know, who were all those followers at, you know, the Sith Coliseum in Exegol? You know, who were they? Where did they come from? And whether were they not concerned that Ray was, you know, chopping up the Emperor? Yeah. (laughs) They were just like, woo! So, I mean, (laughs) uh, another big question that they hinted at that I guarantee will be dropped in the lap of a comic or television series. Were these stolen children who became stormtroopers Force-sensitive? Mm-hmm. Was this, th- was this the First Order's way of getting all of, of those Force-sensitive children that the Jedi Order would have and try to brainwash them into stormtroopers? We don't know, but they laid those breadcrumbs. So, well, well, and you think about like a couple of times Finn's like about to say something to Ray and never says it. We never find out what he mm-hmm. wants to say to Ray. Yes, and we're Is even he, kind of toyed with him having kind of some latent abilities, yeah. maybe a little twinge here and there, you know. But it's also playing too that it could be a um, sorry, as it's also playing too that it could be, you know, a, a bit of a love triangle between him and Ray and Poe. But you know, I'm with you guys. I think he's a little bit more of a force sensitive. Well, he makes that, that one comment where um, where Poe says that um, that they can't understand what Ray's going through, and he says that Leia and I can. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe he's saying like, "Hey, you know, Leia's recognized that I'm force sensitive, and has been training me on the side." Is that what he's trying to tell Ray all the way through? Um, I, but we never find out. Right. How, how how do we set it up and make a big joke about it? Like the whole joke about like Poe, so like, oh, you're waiting. So I'm not around to tell her. You know, right. But, right. But we never find out. That's crazy. Yeah. We know there's even that interaction between Finn and uh, what, what uh, Jana, where yeah. they're like, we just all put down our weapons at one time. And he said it was just this feeling, wasn't it? It was the force, you know, yeah. and then Finn even feels it when Ray dies. Ooh. Finn does yeah. the Obi-Wan thing where he grabs the wall and, and you know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, like I said, in my head canon, I, I kind of put together, but like I said, that'll be dropped somewhere. But like I said, the thing with Maz and the thing with the Emperor, I needed yeah. to know a little bit of that. If the Emperor survived somehow being dropped down that chute in Return of the Jedi, you know, in some way, we needed just a little bit more. Well, see, that, I'll, I'll piggyback too. That was one of my things later on. Is that just, that just wasn't made a big enough deal in this movie? That the Emperor is back he's was back. not a big enough deal. Which is the thing, like, yeah, he's back, and now and now he's the bad guy. And I'm like, I Guess don't think back. this is where boom, we were. Boom, 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 back again. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> is back. Boom, 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 back again. <laughs> I'm gonna be more careful how I say things from now on. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> but man, it wasn't a big enough deal. That should have been huge. That should have been momentous. We should have been, you know, just blown away by that. It was just one more yeah. thing that blew by us, that blurred by on the screen. And I think that's a huge flaw in the movie. Yeah, it, it really was. Uh, even though, and, and you know, you, you kind of had to draw your own lines, um, I guess, uh, it, it, with or without the Star Wars lore, you know, to support this. But even the Emperor was saying, you know, I am the whole of the Sith. Strike me down so that I can enter into you, he's telling Ray, and you will be the Empress now. Uh, you know, so it's almost like his spirit doesn't even need the body to exist. Uh, but, you know, corporally he has to, you know, interact. You know, he has to have something to interact with, with nature and affect these things. But, you know, so when Vader threw him down, was he, was his essence, so to speak, able to survive? And then they got, you know, a, a, you know his big toe and then grew the rest of him because we clearly see his fingers weren't wrong, you know, and grew the rest of him from the remains of the death. Well, it wasn't an eyeball. Those still look janky. Um, <laughs> but I, mean, I, I don't have a problem with the Emperor being back in this movie. I don't have a problem with him being the big bad that's behind it all. Right. It wasn't set up very well. And then they're just like, oh, yeah, he's back. He's back. And that's uh, – it just they wasn't speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've got some unnatural powers. Don't, don't Let's not talk anymore about it. Yeah, and wouldn't yeah. it have been cool to have heard that broadcast – you know, what did he say to the universe? How did he communicate that with the universe? Was it like, you know, uh, like the, uh, you know, the emergency services bulletin that takes over all your channels on your hollow projector? Or was it, you know, just, uh, you know, whenever you opened up your cell phone, was it an app? Oh, you know, you have a message waiting from Palpatine. You know, so, so what so, was this mysterious broadcast? I, I, th I think it was a combination of, you know, the old UHF pirated symbols with what you did, Wayne, <laughs> you know, with Palpatine dancing and going, guess who's back? <laughs> yeah, I think that's how it was. Pull the weird owl and just, you know. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, um, I've got a semi-related pan slash question. Okay. After this movie and after The Last Jedi, what can't the Force do? Nothing. Exactly. Yeah, it's a little yeah. much. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, they're doing lightsaber fights through Force time. Like, why does the Jedi ever leave the house? I mean, Luke <laughs> can fight out? across huge amounts of space, but he's like, well, he's not even actually there. They're actually breaking stuff together. Their lightsabers are connecting through space, and they're passing stuff <laughs> back and forth later. I mean, you can heal stuff suddenly. Yeah. I mean, what can't the force do? Yeah, the, the force uh, the, can do whatever the rider needs it to. <laughs> <laughs> the force is the MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting that, that JJ kept the force time uh, because that was a big stretch for me uh, in the uh, in the last Jedi. The, the, well, he took it to eleven. <laughs> he, you know. He did take it to 11. I know that we have this scene with, you know, Ren being affected by the water. You know, he's, he's, he's got the water on his face from the wave, you know, crashing by Ray. But, you know, then he, like I said, they're, they're fighting through force. He's snatching from her, you know, the necklace from her, you know. It's pretty intense. And then passing a lightsaber back and forth. Yeah. Like passing you know, notes in Sammy's class. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, Rebels played around with that a little bit 
you know, not to the extent that these movies did, but the idea that there was this realm that the Jedi could go to that was in between time. Uh, and in Rebels, there were almost like these portals that you could see in different aspects of time. So I don't know. I mean, it was kind of that idea dialed up, like you said, 11. <laughs> but it made for visual interest. <laughs> oh, oh, it was an awesome scene. I just like after I'm like, no, hold on. <laughs> like, that, that looked awesome, but wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, and the healing. Uh, that's never been a thing before, has it? Not to the extent they're bringing people back from the dead? Not to the extent that they're bringing people back to the dead or anything that quick. I think I might have mentioned on our uh, you know, first instant reaction uh, episode that you know, in, the, um, in the expanded universe, <laughs> it was uh, tech time. They almost had to go into a trance for that. But here it's almost like you know, a, a laying on of hands in an instant you know, instant healing or, or you know, bringing of life to that. But it really drains the, uh, it drains the, uh, the sender, as we see in the Mandalorian episode with, with Baby Yoda. Uh, did you guys catch that in episode uh, seven when the uh, beasts were attacking them by the campfire and uh, Carl Weathers had this, had got his arm tore up and Baby Yoda healed him? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's it's transferring midichlorians is what it is. Transferring midichlorians. Okay. <laughs> George Lucas would love that. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Quickly, we can speed we can speed the pace up here on this, and I'll be okay with it. Um, I don't know what who's next, but I'm gonna throw something in. Dwayne has started to go in on the anti Last Jedi. Uh, elements in here and that to me was incredibly annoying from the word go it was very distracting um and it, i mean i i could see like once or twice jj saying like yeah he messed up my plot line like yeah ray's parents being important that was a big deal to me and he just threw it away right. and sure put the mask back together but it felt like every five minutes somebody was saying something or doing something like outside of the plot, I'm like, dude, you're wrapping up the saga. You don't have time to throw this much shade. <laughs> and say, oh, by the way, you remember that last movie? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, and like, and I think the one, I think that I think I almost rolled my eyes so so hard that came out of my head was when Luke catches the lightsaber and makes a crack about you need to treat a Jedi's weapon with more respect than that. I'm like, dude, you can't have that character say that. Because that's the character that threw it over his shoulder the last movie. Yeah. You can have somebody else say that. I mean, it was. It was oh, I'm so looking forward to awards time. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I think that the the see me and Dwayne and I have both um, been very explicit about defending Kathleen Kennedy. Um, I think Sammy has to an extent too. Um, and after watching this and seeing how this played out in the big picture. Um, I can't do it anymore. Uh, I think we've got three good movies in the sequel trilogy here, but this was a bad plan. Um, the, the having it passed off from JJ to Ryan Johnson, to Colin Trevorrow with each one having complete freedom to do whatever they wanted to with the storyline. That was a bad idea and it was a bad plan. And it led to the awkwardness between the last Jedi and this movie. Right. And it was a bad plan. I, I can't defend the plan anymore. 
Gentlemen, would you guys be okay if I made a final statement and then we moved on to awards? Sure. Okay. I've got one quick pan I want to throw in before you make your final statement. Go ahead. And this is only because this was something that Kendra brought up. Okay. Okay. So as I've stated on the show, my significant other is not a nerd geek. She's not into any of this stuff. And she, she goes with me very kindly. So before this, I gave her the list of here's what we do. And I want your opinion. So this was something that jumped out at her. And this goes back to star Wars because of that certain point of view. Um, she felt that JJ should have directed Billy D a little differently in the scene with him and Jana. She felt when he looked at her and said, well, let's find out. <laughs> and he was just being a little too creepy grandpa. <laughs> um, so <laughs> and, and Billy D it just comes off smooth like that. So, but JJ should say, okay, let's try this again. Let's do another tech. So that was personally. I wanted to at least throw that pan in there. So. Yeah, Billy D was uh, maybe uh, doing the uh, the come on a little bit at the wrong time here. <laughs> but uh, now my final statement before we move into awards, though, uh, it's just like Jamie was saying about Kathleen uh, having the wrong idea on how to create a Star Wars story. George Lucas, uh, in one of the interviews about the, the trilogy, uh, this, the prequel tr trilogy, I believe, when he was making it. He said, you know, I've got to be married to this thing for at least 10 years and really probably the rest of my life. So I want to do it. You know, it's, it's a big commitment, and I don't do these trilogies lightly. You know, and what he is saying there and where Disney, Kathleen, Lucasfilm, whoever in this new era has missed the ball. You need a cohesive storyline. You need a, at least one consistent, if not director, one consistent writer or like extreme producer, you know, production design yeah. to make sure – that everything <laughs> I was going to say, all I can <laughs> well, there, there has been rumors of him getting to come to play in the Star Wars sandbox, which is entirely exciting. But that was really the weakness. If there was one thing that this sequel trilogy suffered from, was that the multiple points of view of different writers, um, you know, trying to tell different stories, trying to stretch characters. It didn't necessarily need to be stretched, trying to do something that didn't need to be done. Star Wars needs to be cohesive. Star Wars needs to be one story through a trilogy or even a duology of movies, uh, you know, doesn't ever, or, or even, you know, whatever they want to do. Well, even like when George was playing a little bit fast and loose with the original trilogy, because there was stuff he changed from movie to movie, oh, but yeah. at least we had the unified vision of the big picture all the way through. Right. And that's clearly lacking here. I mean, it's going to, I think as we look back in future years, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb, like even worse. Like his goal, his goal was to turn Vader from bad to good through the use of a purely good character. Luke. But I think, I think that's going to be a legacy problem for this trilogy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's want to do some awards. Let's yeah. not solve. But I think I think that's going to be a legacy problem for this trilogy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move to some awards. 
let's yeah, not that's... solve. But I think I think that's going to be a legacy problem for this trilogy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's want to do some awards. Let's yeah, not that's... solve. But I think I think that's going to be a legacy problem for this trilogy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's want to do some awards. Let's yeah, not that's... solve. All right, so first award is best performance. Um, I think there's the right answer here, Sammy. Uh, he looks straight up smug. <laughs> Sammy, who's the best performance? Nope. All right, so here's the deal with this. <laughs> I'm giving my best performance to Anthony Daniels. Ooh, that's a good one. I'm giving it to 3PO. For this sequel trilogy, 3PO has been a background character. And we finally get some cool 3PO moments in this movie. And Anthony Daniels does a fantastic job. Um, I, I put in my notes, he really shines, pun intended. <laughs> in this movie, and I know a lot of people have knocked the scene where he says, I'm taking one last look at my friends. I know that. But I think a lot of that's because of the way that he's been played off in Force, both Force Awakens and Last Jedi. So I'm glad that Anthony Daniels got his shot at this. Um, and speaking of, I did get his memoir and haven't got a chance to uh, read it yet. So I am C-3PO, so I'm really interested in checking that out. But my best performance goes to Mr. Daniels himself. I'm sorry. I'm still horrified by what <laughs> Sammy was, where Sammy was going there. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But, you know, really the right uh, C-3PO shown, you know, having his mind wiped and then, you know, getting um, his memories replaced by R2-D2, you know, complete different physicality to the role. Oh, yeah. Complete different mannerisms. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to be uh, near uh, Jamie's idea for best performance. I don't know if there's a singular right answer. I think there's a few right answers. But um, I, I swear, I... Uh, Absolutely, and and Adam Driver both showed phenomenal performances. So I'm I'm gonna stick with Daisy. Okay. Um, only one of us is given the right answer. Then, uh, <laughs> once again, Adam Driver is the best thing in any of these movies. Um, I mean, I, I think I think the moment that really um, sold it to me, and I and I don't I don't think that Anthony Edwards is a bad one. Um, I think that's not the obvious one. But I, I think this this is that that sounded kind of condescending, didn't it? Uh, <laughs> no, you said Anthony Edwards. I mean, Goose. You know, hey, Goose. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. I was trying to compliment Sammy. I'm sorry. Thank that's you very right. much. I appreciate it. it. It's so awkward. I can't even say it right when I try to give Sammy a compliment. I just I just accepted it and went with it. I wasn't worried. <laughs> so um, I take no, all I mean, compliments. <laughs> But I mean, I this is I think this is my favorite C three PO. Like in any movie he's been in, this is my favorite three PO. I mean, like even the scene where they're like looking at him strangely, he thinks looking at something it is, and he turns around to look to see what they're looking at, you know. Um, but I think that that for me that the moment that that I think that Adam Driver like really showed off that you know that he was acting at a different level than everybody else is the scene right before he dies. That that smile he gives. 
there's a purity in that smile that that, that, uh, that is just so incongruous with what else he's done as Kylo Ren. They're just like, like wow, that's that's it was just an amazing performance. So Adam Driver's mine. No, Adam Driver's right, and you know, it, it may be where the movie was so fastly paced. I feel that he just completely devours every scene he's in from the first moment he steps foot on this on this movie. Yeah, he's he's at that level for me. Yeah. But to speaking he's, he's of scenes, a... go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say, speaking of scenes, our, our next award is best scene. So, Correct. Uh, we're all too excited. We're stepping all over each other. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Uh, okay. uh, Sammy, what's your favorite scene? I'll let you go first again. All right. So you gushed about Adam Driver, and one of my best scenes does include Kylo Ren. And it's the scene between Kylo and the memory of his father. Because, mm-hmm. one, I did not expect Harrison Ford to set foot on a new a Star Wars set again in his life. So just to see him there, to see the mirror from Force Awakens, you know, that idea, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Mm-hmm. And I cheated there. Did you notice that? I got a extra quote in. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that scene really touched me and that's the one that's the scene that that made me turn my opinions of kylo when he did that that scene there so that's my best scene yeah that's a that's a great one uh, that's a great one for the emotional uh, weight of it there's quite a few emotionally great scenes in this movie my uh, best scene however is going to just pure spectacle and I'm going to go off brand. It doesn't involve spaceships necessarily. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> but, a, but it does involve a crashed Star Destroyer uh, <laughs> or part of the Death Star. When uh, Kylo and Ray are battling on the, uh, on the uh, water there in the wreckage of the Death Star. The Star Destroyer is on the indoor. Uh, that is a phenomenally gorgeous scene. It is. Okay, so Dwayne gave my answer, so I'm going to give Dwayne's real answer. (laughs) I think he changed it just to be different from every other Star Wars award he's ever given. So I'm going to tell you what Dwayne's answer is for mine. When all of the ships show up at the end to help, all of those different, like, ragtag, ragamuffin ships from all over the galaxy, when they all show up to help fight the evil Star Destroyers that shouldn't exist... (laughs) <laughs> That's Dwayne's real award. So I'm gonna make that my best scene. So somebody picks me. <laughs> oh. oh gosh. So guys, we're stepping all over each other with these awards tonight. We're just going all over and you know, just being such characters. But there's some great characters in this movie. So where are we gonna hang an award for best character? Uh, mine is I'm staying on brand. I'm like I'm not gonna mix it up to be like Dwayne, just to be different, just to be different. <laughs> Kylo so go ahead, and Kylo Ren for Jamie. Kylo Ren, three for Kylo three, Ren. every movie. Kylo Ren. All He's right. My... Okay. Okay. Um, you know, for me, it's one of those things that um, once again went back and forth with this. So my best character was Allegiant General Pride, played by Richard E. Grant. He just he ate up the scenery. 
uh, he carries on that tradition of that strong imperial officer that Peter Cushing started with with Tarkin, and he feels like he was from that period, which he was. So he feels like he was probably trained by Tarkin and came up under that early regime of the emperor. Um, I just thought he did a great job. Um, you know, I like the character. Anyway, w- once again, I almost chose Bobby Frick, but then I was like, no. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Say, say a character. Bobby character. <laughs> um, the 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 basilisk in the sand. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry Potter also exists in this world. Harry Potter oh. also exists. Yeah. Oh, good one. <laughs> uh, I love the character of the emperor, even when he is, you know, supposed to not exist at all. But we find out he's been pulling every string. Snoke's just a puppet. Smoke's, Snoke is just a proxy for him. In uh, McDermott has just so much authority and power and evilness to that role. And when he tells Kylo, I fell in love. I was in hook, line, and sinker when he told Kylo. I have been every voice you have heard mm-hmm. in your head, and it changes to Snoke to Vader and carries on. That was like, okay, that's the Emperor. The Emperor's back. Here's all my money. I'm all in. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my part. That quote there, and like Sam a moment ago, I just snuck in another quote because I could. <laughs> I was having a lot of trouble with this next <laughs> of best quotes. <laughs> you know, Sam. just talking about Ian McDiarmid just for a second. You know, if you remember back to our celebration discussion, I was Star Wars Celebration Chicago. I was so excited about that when Ian Mc, the lights came back up and Ian McDermott was standing there and said, you know, play it again. Yeah. You know, I loved it. And and he is he's just perfect for this role. You know, he really is. And and he plays both sides. I mean, even if you look at to me, Chancellor Palpatine and Senator Palpatine and then Darth Sidious, he plays that duality so well. Yeah. So excellent. I, I gave a Second thought to picking him for best performance. He's so yeah. good as the Emperor. Oh, yeah. he's so great as the Emperor. He really is. Yeah. So, Sammy, why don't you lead us off with best quote? So, once more, Ryan Johnson, I'm looking at you. Uh, I think the best quote for me is a Jedi's weapon deserves more respect because. That 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 was some other Skywalker in the other movie. So. <laughs> I think, I think uh, Mark Hamill said it was Paul Skywalker. Yeah, that was Paul Duke, whoever. That was his evil twin from the Mirror Universe, whatever. Uh, so <laughs> exactly, he needed he needed a little bit more of a goatee, and he would have had it. Uh, but that's that's my favorite quote because that is the quote that made me go, "Yep, that's that's Luke Skywalker." That's, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Wow. Katie, why don't you go next? I want to go last. Wow. See, I, I don't I – don't, I'm moving on. Um, so my, my best quote 
is uh, it was another moment between Daisy and Adam Driver um, when they're really having that really sort of emotional, really tense discussion. And she says that, um, I love this line. I see through the cracks in your mask. You're haunted. And and I feel like that really shows her you know, her intuition. Maybe it's just the force. I don't know. But she, she sees through him. And not, not and it's a good line about the mask, too. It's another little dig at the last shit out there, I think. Um, but anytime, anytime the mask is brought up or on screen, I, I keep thinking about, like, J.J. being mad at Ryan Johnson. But I don't know, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a good line. I, I liked it. It was a good line. And it, it, it's emotionally powerful. You know, it heightens the emotion between those two characters. <clears throat> well, unlike you two, I'm not picking a uh, quote that was a jab against Ryan Johnson. <laughs> I am going to pick a quote that ends this trilogy, as well as Chewie Were Home began this trilogy. Um, I'm, I'm going to pick C-3PO's quote when he's getting ready to have his memory wiped to, to get this. He says, I'm taking one last look at my friends. And that's really what we were doing. Um, I know what Jamie had said, you know, he didn't have uh, as long of a time with Star Wars as me and Sam has. Not necessarily because we're older, but because he, uh, you know, is, is kind of a latecomer to it. So the, uh, the uh, you know, emotion is that time. And, and it really is. It's, 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 you know, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, even, you know, um, Oscar Isaac, Daisy Ridley, and Adam Driver. I mean, they have grabbed our heart students last three. And, you know, this wrapping up the Skywalker saga. You know, we, we were getting one last look at our friends. I, I, yeah, I thought a similar one um, that was another C3 appeal line was when he was talking to R2-D2 about him being his best friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I, I thought that was another really good emotional line that C3PO got. And I just snuck it an extra awardian. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting sneaky. <laughs> All right, so um, our next one is most satisfying resolution, and I felt like that was an important war- award for us to talk about on this one because this is what this one had to do. It had right. to resolve mm-hmm. things. Um, so, Dwayne, what did you find it to be the most satisfying resolution here? Okay, this this award's going to be kind of a duality with me uh, here. Not that I have two More of cheating. them. No, not that I have two of them, but you'll see. A duality you'll see or, or, a, duality see or a dyad? A duality, not a dyad. You'll see momentarily. Um, the most satisfying resolution is Ray's parentage. Um, it was such a big question. And I was ready to buy ryan johnson's they're nobodies you know they're they're nobodies um however in star wars lore nobody's ever really a nobody um, <laughs> you know as, but you know i love what ryan done you know with the kid at the end it doesn't have to be these you know, amazing people but you know ray's parentage uh, you know her being linked to palpatine um and i really think it's interesting that you know palpatine had some rebellious kids uh, the flower, you know, along with his ideas, I think it's kind of, kind of neat, uh, weird, kind of odd thing there. But you know, we, we get an answer as to who she is. So that that was one thing that I was, you know, kind of pleased to see that that the question was answered. 
you know, and I think what's most important about that is, you know, this entire time Ray's been struggling with who she is. Mm. And then she figures out, oh, I belong to the bad guys, which we should have known because she's the only good guy with a British accent. But, um, you know, it's also this idea of though that was her family, she made a conscious choice not to be that. You know, not to be part of that. And I think that's just a general life thing. You know, we don't choose who our family is, but we can decide who will be our family in a lot of ways. So Mm -hmm. she made a conscious decision not to go down that path. So I thought that was important to her arc. I think we're all going in the same direction. I just, um, mine is just race resolution, just period. Um, not just you know who she chose to belong to, um, not just the parentage. The big picture, Ray got a happy ending, mm-hmm. and and I think Ryan Johnson that was not his plan. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, I I think his plan was for was for Ray to go dark, and uh, so I'm glad that somebody else got to do episode nine rather than Ryan Johnson. <laughs> um, um, although I love the Last Jedi, I don't I. I I, this is a little bit of a hot take here, but I think it's my favorite movie of the new trilogy. Um, even even as flawed as it is, I think it's got my favorite stuff. Um, but I, I love that Ray gets such a happy ending. Um, it's still a little bittersweet because you know Ben Solo doesn't make it through, but Ray is happy at the end. She's at peace, and she's right. and she's got her own personal resolution. She's not doesn't have this gnawing inside of her that she doesn't know who she is, that she doesn't have a place where she's you know where she belongs. That's all resolved now. And I, and I, I, I love that she got that. Yeah. It's great. Agreed. All right. Uh, biggest mistake. And this may have been me uh, tipping my cards a little bit when I threw this on the list. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, there are no perfect movies. And so even mm-hmm. movies that we love and adore and give really high grades, except maybe for tombstone. I'm not sure I could find a flaw in tombstone. Um, but uh, biggest mistake. Uh, Sammy, what you got? You know, I think the biggest mistake for this movie is there is way too much Snap Wexley and not enough Wedding Tillies. <laughs> Flat out. Dennis Lawson came back for half a second. Yeah. He should not have come back. Okay, we needed more Wedge. Wedge is one of those OT characters that if you're going to bring him back, we need to see him. I mean, Lando didn't get a lot but he got a little bit more than half a second. But Snap Wexley, on the other hand, and I know JJ's best buddy, all right, BFFs and all, um, you know, gets all these lines, gets to a heroic death. I mean, you know, we'll remember him right along with Porkins. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> but just Porkins too much snap. That? That's it. That's it. He, well, Wexley was probably, you know, his you know, father's name and his mother's name was probably Porkins originally. But, uh, <laughs> all right. but yeah, I'll I, I write that fanfic. So, <laughs> too oh, much snap. Oh, that's good. I, I was, I, that didn't bother me that much. Uh, but yeah, it, it did stick out like a sore thumb. There was a whole lot of snapflakes <laughs> in this thing. But, um, my biggest mistake is just sort of um, that the, 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 the emperor's, like sudden appearance and everybody just rolling with it. I, I just, I feel like if the emperor is going to be the big bad, and he's coming back the way it is. I mean, there should have just been like neon light flashing at it. 
It should have been such a big, huge deal, and it wasn't the big, huge deal it should have been. And I think that made the final confrontation then with the Emperor not as momentous as it should have been. If it had been a bigger deal at the beginning of Episode Nine that the Emperor was back, that would have been a more epic battle at the end. I think that, that kind of stole some thunder from the end of the movie. Yeah. Well, here's where my duology comes in um, <laughs> to my last award. Uh, biggest mistake, Ray's parentage. Oh! Uh, the Emperor's granddaughter. <laughs> I, I really had... I, I loved we got an answer. I, I, I liked what they did with it, but it was so weird to have Palpatine have some, you know, kids. That, you yeah. know, it's just what, you know... You're not allowed to go out with her or him. You know, I don't know whether it was his son or his daughter. You know, it's not really explained, though, but it was... You know, but apparently they did. I don't want to be a Sith. You know, I can see that. <laughs> I don't want to rule the galaxy, Dad. Come on, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that really, surprised me so much this episode, Dwayne. This movie has me uh, in a lot of twisty things in my in my system. <laughs> um, and that was one thing that really got me was, you know, okay, you know, while Palpatine's trying to, you know, turn Luke... You know, he's, he's, you know, texting his kid, you know, better be home by, by nine, you know, <laughs> fill the speeder back up, you know. <laughs> now, now, see, I, I'm a firm believer that, that he's probably created through the force. So. <laughs> I hope so. I don't like the thought of Palpatine being friendly with anybody. <laughs> That's the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even going there, but yeah, but just <laughs> some rebellious kids, you know, that's not following the Sith footsteps, I guess. Oh. It kind of was tough, kind of tough for me to get my head around. You really have surprised me, Dwayne. I, you went a lot of directions on this one that I didn't expect. Yeah. Well, I think, you, I think you put a lot of thought into this one. <laughs> Not, not that you don't on other ones. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you only saw my notes, let me show you, let me show you my notes. Holds <laughs> <laughs> oh. up a blank sheet of paper. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't gonna tell on you. <laughs> So, you know, there's interesting connection to this movie all around. You have connection with Leia and Kylo and the Emperor and Rey. But one thing that connects the nerds of the round table to all of pop culture, there is one thread that binds us. One actor to bring them all. And in the Matrix, bind them. <laughs> Is Keanu in relation to how Keanu could be proportional to the Rather Scott? Dwayne, I think this is your personal best episode ever. <laughs> he bringing his A game. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Our Keanu connection this week is an actor with a uh, rather bizarre IMDb filmography page. Uh, he's been in a movie that I'm weirdly fond of. This might be my Flash Gordon. He was in the Hudson Hawk. Uh, 
which is a movie that me and like three other people love. Um, he's Ben Ives and Lemony Snicket, um, Logan, mm-hmm. uh, some random stuff. Um, but most importantly, for our purposes, he was in a movie that I think we're starting to have to go to more often now. Uh, <laughs> Richard E. Grant was in Bram Stoker's Dracula, and he was Sammy's best character. Or was it best performance? I don't best know. Character. Best character. Best character. Best yeah. character. Yeah. Um, did we ever figure out what his title was? Some, something Admiral. Supreme Admiral? Allegiant General. Allegiant General. Allegiant General. General, General sure. Which basically <laughs> just meant that he was over both both the land forces and the space forces. He was the boss of all the stuff. That's right. Yep. <laughs> but E. Grant is the Keanu connection. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I noticed you didn't mention his Spice World. Uh, oh, I was <laughs> going to and I forgot. <laughs> but we're trying to leave the man some shred of dignity. <laughs> <laughs> He's a general for crying out loud. That's right. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, let's uh, let's keep it 100. Let's do Who's it. Ready? I'm ready if you guys are. Uh, okay. Go for it. <laughs> You're on fire. Bring it, bud. <laughs> well, here, here lately, I have been getting into a lot of uh, live albums. Uh, Sarah McLachlan, uh, the band, um, you know, Coldplay, Bob Dylan, Def Leppard. I'm just enjoying some phenomenal live performances. One that has been blowing my mind here lately is the '80s band, The Talking Heads. Stop Making Sense, directed by Superman alum Jonathan Demme. Um, it amazes me how they format this show. You have David Byrne coming out first with just an acoustic guitar and a boombox playing Psycho Killer. Then Tina Weymouth comes out, joins him with the song on bass. Then they begin building the stage. Chris Friends comes out on drums. They bring out backup singers, other percussionists, keyboard players. And I'm going to tell you, these guys just burn through song by song. You really see ecstatic performance without all the dogma and stuff around with David Byrne um, and their translation of these songs to live. And to see these guys work a crowd is mind-blowing to me. And it's just so precise and beautiful. And what an artist should be. So the talking heads stop making sense, directed by Jonathan Demme. Cool. And it is on Prime now, if any of you guys would like to check it out. Awesome. Right. Um, I've got a real simple, straightforward one. So you may go next, Sammy? Sure, go for it. Okay. Um, mine is a podcast recommendation. Um, it's, it's the podcast called Noble Blood, and it's a history fo- it's a history podcast that's focused on when bad things happen to the nobility throughout history. Um, <laughs> it's fascinating. Um, they're pretty um, reasonably length, about thirty minutes, um, and the the they're grippingly written, and the narrator is one of the best voices in all of podcasting or audiobooks and if she isn't getting offers to narrow audiobooks right now people are doing it wrong um I, when if i ever have any of my writing ever turned into an audiobook i want to i'm going to contact this lady she is fantastic wow. um and they're 
the episodes are absolutely gripping. And um, there's some of the things that I most get lost in, in all of podcasting. Mm-hmm. And for a, um, uh, an episode, um, I don't have the, the title, um, in, in front of me, but it's the, the Marie Antoinette episode would be a place to, a good place to start. It's fabulous. Cool. So what you're saying is don't lose your head. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sammy, are you ready? I am ready. So here we go. Uh, for my keeping of 100, I'm going to recommend Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, this is not a film to sit around with the family and watch, obviously. Uh, but it is an interesting take on 50s and 60s Hollywood. Um, and it has, it definitely has that feel, that genuine setting, that genuine time period feel that Tarantino brings to it. Uh, he mixes fictional and actual, you know, concepts from television and movies together. Uh, so you get this kind of faux westerns and war movies and sitcoms and things along those mixed in with actual uh, television and movies of the time. Um, you know, the cast is amazing. Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, they carry these roles and this narrative so well. Uh, you can expect your over-the-top Tarantino moments of violence and language, uh, but it is really an interesting movie, and it's an interesting historical twist on the, you know, kind of at least briefly the Charles Manson um, situation and the death of, of you know, the, the people in the Hollywood Hills and stuff. So um, if you get a chance to check it out and you don't have a lot of young ones around, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is definitely a movie to check out. Is there any Tarantino movie you can watch without giving that kind of warning? No. Yeah. <laughs> Ergo, to, to go ahead and spoil a little bit, we've got that on our list to talk about <laughs> next year. Yeah. Yeah. Tarantino movies. So... <laughs> We've got a good plan. We're going to do it safely. We're not. We're yes, not going to stray promise. away from our family-friendly format, but we are That's going to talk right. a lot of Tarantino. Have a right, lot of bleeping. We'll <laughs> 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 sound like an episode with R two D two. All right, gentlemen. So, what do we have coming up next as we go into the new year? Well, this is where we're starting our sort of round robin format. Um, And we're going to be doing the fifth element. And I don't remember who picked this because I think we all wanted to pick it. So who who actually picked the fifth element? I don't remember. I think um, I'm the blame for this one, though, as I look at Oh, no, sir. My name is. I think it was was Dwayne's suggestion, and Jamie's like, yeah, going to do that. That'll save me a pick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that's how that worked out. Yeah, I yeah. Said, what I want to do is like, yep, good, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a brilliant pick, and uh, I, and I think it's a, uh, a a good harbinger for a good year coming. So agreed. Let's hope so. So as you guys check out the fifth element, uh, thank you again for listening and uh, subscribing. Please uh, do that if you haven't. And Phyllis, until next time, what do we got to do? Keep it nerdy.